Welcome to the Movement Link podcast. I'm your host, Gemma Aitken. I'm an exercise physiologist and sports nutritionist with over 15 years experience and movement is my cup of tea. Now, we know there is a strong link between how much we move and what we choose to fuel our bodies with when it comes to health and performance. So I hope this podcast will leave you with a few takeaways that allows you to move, perform and feel your best. So put your earbuds in, get moving and I hope you enjoy this episode. guys welcome back to episode number 50 today of the movement link podcast now i'm really excited to have reached um, the 50th episode so when i started this podcast around 12 months ago now my goal was to be releasing one episode per week Um, i didn't know how long it would go on for so it's obviously been going on for pretty much 12 months now Um, so it is really nice to hit that big 5-0 as a target and if you have been listening from the start of this podcast then i really appreciate your support because it's really rewarding to see my listener base and the number of listeners grow week to week as each new episode comes out. So if you've stuck with me this long, um, thank you very much because yeah, it has been, you know, something that I really enjoy doing, putting out this content, even if I'm um, talking to myself sometimes for 20 or 30 minutes at a time, you know, that does become more comfortable, you know, the longer that I do this. So if there are any particular topics that you would ever like me to speak about, Um, You also know where to find me and I'll drop those handles into the show notes or at the end of this episode. Now, in today's episode number 50, I'm going to be running through four common mistakes that I often see people make when they're trying to lose weight and body fat. And I'm also going to be covering a few strategies that can be helpful to try instead, because obviously if we're looking to lose weight, lose body fat, we're wanting these changes to be sustainable. Now, why am I talking about this topic? And I think the reason I'm going to be covering this today is because I see so many people struggle to not only lose weight, but more so to actually make those changes stick and be sustainable at the end of a fat loss phase. And although weight loss and fat loss shouldn't be complicated, I would probably argue that it does require a little bit of knowledge sometimes when it comes to food choices um, and also the strategy that we're going to implement. So let's look at where people commonly go wrong when they're starting a weight loss or a fat loss phase. And I'm just going to use weight loss and fat loss interchangeably today. I know they're different, um, but just for the purpose of this episode and also what we can do to modify things in each situation to create, as I said, a more sustainable approach and an ideally better outcome if your goal is to be losing some weight, losing some fat and changing your body composition. Because outside of comp prep or contest prep, the majority of people we see whose goal is to lose weight or decrease their body fat is to have these changes last long-term for them, right? So the average person doesn't go to the effort of losing weight for 10 weeks or 12 weeks only to put that weight back on at the end of their diet. So let's look, I have four common points here where people um, are often either misled or they just go down the wrong path. So let's cover each of those points and also what we can do, I guess, in place of that to make sure that your approach is um, more rewarding, you're getting a better outcome and that outcome is more sustainable. So one of the first things that we commonly see when people start their fat loss journey is that they suddenly and significantly decrease their food volume and this leads to them getting overly hungry very quickly. 
So when we look at food volume, this is simply the amount of or volume of food that you're consuming in a meal. So the volume of your, let's say your average breakfast might be about 500 grams by the time you take into consideration the weight of your oats um, or your cereal, if that's what you're having, the milk that you add to your oats, the fruit that you put on top of that, the nuts that you add on top of that, and whatever else you you know you add to your breakfast um, breakfast meal. So about 500 grams in weight. Now, what we tend to see when people start a fat loss phase, let's say at Sunday night, their diet is starting on Monday. On Monday morning, they suddenly decrease their food volume. So overnight, they suddenly halve the amount of food that they're eating. And by consequence of having significantly less food in their stomachs, they feel very, very hungry very quickly into a fat loss phase. So you can imagine if you've gone from eating a certain volume of food um, you know, over the last couple of months, you're starting a diet phase and you're suddenly eating half the amount of food volume Um, that you were eating previously, this diet is not going to last very long, right? You're going to be like insatiably hungry, um, probably within 24 to 48 hours. So when trying to lose body fat or in any diet phase, what we see is that if we're smart about our food choices, food volume can actually remain reasonably similar to the food volume you were consuming prior to starting your diet. If you are aware of what you're choosing and As I touched on in the start of this episode, this is obviously going to require some knowledge about the nutritional makeup of food. So let's look at how you would do this. How would you keep your food volume very similar, um, even though your goal is to start to decrease your calories? And the way we do this is starting to prioritize our lower calorie or less calorie dense foods during your fat loss or diet phase. So to put some context around this, let's look at a practical example. Now I'm going to use an average blueberry muffin. So an average blueberry muffin, um, because I know a lot of people whip down to the local coffee shop mid-morning to get a muffin to go with their coffee, is going to weigh about 150 grams. Um, However, this is probably also going to cost you a really good 550 calories, and I can guarantee it's probably not going to fill you up for too long, right? So before your diet phase, you might have whipped down, got your blueberry muffin, weighs about 150 grams. Now, by comparison, if you're in a diet phase, what you could do is actually come up with a meal that weighs about 600 grams, okay, for less calories than what you were spending on your blueberry muffin. So if you were to make yourself a chicken salad, so some roasted chicken breast, several cups of uh, leafy greens, mixed salad veg, you could even put a tub of Yopro yogurt on the side. Um, that's going to weigh about 175 grams. You could throw in a punnet of blueberries for another 125 grams. And you've got a meal that's going to be close to 600 grams in weight for less calories than your blueberry muffin. So if you've consumed your you know, large chicken salad, a tub of blueberry yogurt, uh, sorry, a tub of um, Yopro yogurt and a punnet of blueberries, you can imagine how much more space that is going to take up in your stomach than that blueberry muffin. And because you've obviously eaten or consumed less calories, then ideally, if this is a deficit that you're sustaining over a period of time, then that would hopefully lead to some weight loss and some fat loss. Okay, so when we are in a fat loss phase or a diet phase, your goal should be to eat, you know, where possible, a really similar volume of food for less calories. Now, let's look at a couple of other practical examples here. And these are foods that people would probably, um, I imagine, commonly eat. 
Now, if we look at 200 grams of cooked white rice, this is going to, so 200 grams, it's going to be about 235 calories. Now, by comparison, how do we look to increase our food volume? Let's say we don't want to eat 200 grams of white rice um, because we don't have 235 calories to spend on that, but we still want to put a really good volume of food in with let's say dinner, that is going to help take up some space in our tummy and keep us quite full. You could consume 400 grams of cooked pumpkin and still come in under or less than white rice. So 400 grams of cooked pumpkin, um, steamed, roasted, obviously with no oil, is going to be about 190 calories. Whereas your 200 grams of cooked white rice is only is 235 calories by comparison. So you could eat double the amount of cooked pumpkin for less calories than your white rice. So that's another substitute that you could make. Now, if we look at something that is um, protein-based, 100 grams of your standard beef mince is going to be about 280 calories. How do we continue to get our protein in for less calories? We look at less calorie-dense sources of protein. So you could eat 400 grams of egg whites, for around 110 calories and probably a lot less fat, right? So you could eat four times the amount of egg whites for less than half the calories of your 100 grams of standard beef mince. So there's simple things that you can do to swap uh, foods around to ensure that you are maintaining a good amount of food volume when you start a fat loss or diet phase. So it is about being smart with your food choices, prioritizing low calorie, um, but still nutrient dense foods to ensure that you are, are still consuming a substantially sized meal. Okay. So that's the first thing that you can do. So if you are someone who you know when you start a diet phase, you go and rapidly decrease your food volume and end up very hungry. Making a few substitutions like that to maintain food volume in your meals is going to help with satiation. And it's obviously going to hopefully also help ensure that your diet phase and fat loss phase last long enough for you to achieve your desired outcome and your desired goal. So that's point number one. Now, now somewhere else we commonly see people go wrong is that they drop their calorie intake far, far lower than what is actually needed. And we see this all the time. So someone might be eating, let's say around 200 calories per day. Um, They decide that they want to lose some weight. And the next day they're suddenly eating 800 calories. And I've seen this. I've seen this um, quite a few times in the last few months. And it's no surprise that that person does not achieve their goal. That's just not sustainable and they're not able to stick to it long enough for them to reach that desired outcome. So when we are in a fat loss phase, your goal should be to diet on as many calories as possible to achieve the results you're after. So if you can be in a deficit um, and losing weight at an appropriate rate of loss on say 1500 calories why on earth would you go and be eating 800 calories um, and, you know, and know that you're not going to be able to stick to that for, for any length of time? So one of the best ways to avoid having to drop your calorie intake far lower than what is needed is to actually give yourself enough time to achieve your fat loss goal. So this means if you're giving yourself time, you shouldn't need to be in a really aggressive deficit. Now, contrary to what social media leads us to believe, most women won't consistently lose half a kilo to a kilo per week during a fat loss phase. So it's generally not normal, but it is something that we see promoted as, quote, the standard rate of loss 
often in social media. So on top of that, if preservation of um, muscle mass and lean tissue is also your goal, then another important consideration here is to try and avoid those aggressive deficits because we do know that calorie deficit and that diet phase is very, very aggressive. It can make holding on and retaining your lean muscle tissue that much harder. So here's the question. How do we get around dropping our calorie intake too low? So firstly, where possible, spend an adequate amount of time um, building your calories up or at least spend an adequate amount of time at maintenance before you start your diet phase or your fat loss phase. Okay, now once you do enter your fat loss phase, it's also really important to aim for a realistic rate of loss. So as I said above, although you know, it's, it's almost promoted that half a kilo per week, one kilo per week um, should be expected as a reasonable rate of loss for a female. That is just not the case. And in real life, that's generally not what we see. So in terms of what is realistic, this is going to vary um, quite largely for everybody. But for many women, um, a realistic rate of loss might actually be closer to, you know, maybe 150 grams to 300 grams per week. It doesn't mean you're going to be losing that um, amount of weight every single week on the dot. Um, but on average, aiming for around 150 to 300 grams per week is not slow um, and it is not unrealistic. It is probably going to be something that is actually quite sustainable for the majority of people. And at the end of the day, what do we want? We want your fat loss phase to be sustainable. So we really need to try and find that sweet spot where you're losing fat at a reasonable rate, um, but you're not crawling up the walls with hunger. So at the end of the day, we want your fat loss phase to be sustainable. Um, we need to be trying to find a sweet spot where you're losing fat at a reasonable rate, but you're not crawling up the walls with hunger and so hungry that you're you know, struggling to sleep or struggling to find the energy to train or exercise. So um, on that note as well, just while we're talking about um, dropping calories too low, just a little bit of science behind this. So to lose one kilo of body fat, we need to be consuming 7,000 calories less per week. So to lose a kilo of body fat in a week, the science generally indicates eating 7,000 calories less than what we would normally consume across the week to lose that one kilo of body fat. So if we're aiming for around a 0.5 or half kilogram loss per week, then theoretically we're going to be needing to eat in a calorie deficit of around 500 calories per day or around 3,500 calories per week less, so deficit, which would warrant a 0.5 kilogram um, loss of body fat per week. Now, what is wrong with this um, equation and where does science fall apart here? Unfortunately, as we know, we're humans and our bodies are not robots. And there are many, many other factors that we need to consider here because not everyone is going to lose weight or fat at the rate that science tells us that we will. So I would be using this as a guide. Be patient. Don't panic if you're not losing half a kilo per week. If you think about, and this is something I talk to my clients about um, quite regularly when they come in with a fat loss or a weight loss goal and they want to achieve that goal in six weeks or eight weeks or whatever it is, I ask them to think about how long it took them to put on the excess weight that they're holding. Because what we tend to see is that this excess weight has probably accumulated 
for a lot of people, over many, many months to years. So to expect to lose all of the weight, you know, that you have put on over the last three to five years in eight weeks is not always going to be realistic or healthy. So remember, guys, sustainable changes for long-term results. So that is point number two. Don't go and drop your calories too low. Now, the third thing that we tend to see um, in terms of where people go wrong is that a lot of people start a diet phase, but they do not have a plan as to when and how they will actually end that fat loss phase or that diet phase. So the biggest mistake we tend to see here is that when people end a fat loss phase is that they often immediately revert back to their old habits and previous food choices and intake. So what is wrong with this? Obviously, if we're reverting back to our old habits, then the, the diet phase was not sustainable. Um, and our outcome and the goal that we've achieved is likely also not going to be sustainable. So there's a very high chance if we're reverting back to our past habits and our past food choices, that we're going to end up back in the same situation eventually that we were in before we started this fat loss phase. So what can we do? It is really important that you plan the criteria for when you will end your fat loss phase. So asking yourself the question before you start, how long are you going to diet for? What is your target rate of loss? How much um, weight are you wanting to lose overall? Will you be factoring in any diet breaks? Um, Because we know diet breaks do have a place in providing some psychological relief from dieting if you're needing to diet for an extended period of time in order to reach your weight loss goals. So planning that criteria for when and how you're going to end the fat loss phase is really important. So that is when. We also need to ensure we have a plan for how. How are you going to transition out of the fat loss phase? Are you simply going to revert back to your maintenance calories? And if you're going to do that, do you know how to work out what your maintenance calories are based on your new body weight? As your maintenance calories, if you are now five or seven kilos lighter, are actually going to be different to what your maintenance calories were at your original body weight. So it's really important to take that that into consideration as well. Now, if you're not going to revert back to your maintenance calories, Are you perhaps going to implement a reverse diet? If so, how are you going to do this? Um, How are you going to incrementally increase your calories um, over the the weeks and the months to get you back up to a maintenance phase? Uh, And if you don't know how you're going to do that, then I would strongly suggest that you work with somebody such as a um, an accredited sports nutritionist, a dietitian, to help guide you through this. Because asking yourself these questions before you start your fat loss phase and having that exit strategy in place is really important. You don't want to get to the end of your diet phase or your fat loss phase and see all of your hard work undone in the two to four weeks um, after finishing your diet phase. It's really demoralizing. So having that exit plan in place, guys, is key. And the last thing that we see here in terms of where people tend to go wrong is that when we start a diet, and I've done this as well, we tend to be far more restrictive than what is actually necessary. So we see people start a fat loss phase and everything suddenly gets eliminated or thrown out the window. So dairy is out, carbs are out, You're not going to be eating chocolate. You've chosen to cut red meat out completely. Alcohol is out. And by the time you have uh, restricted and eliminated everything that you perceive is not good, you're not going to be left with much left to eat, right? So 
Although we need to be mindful of food choices, if we have body composition goals, most of us don't actually need to eliminate half as much as we do. So it is really important. Do not eliminate foods unnecessarily. If your goal is to reduce your body fat, to improve your health, um, your body composition, to improve how you look in general, then it's also important to think about um, how the level of restriction that you employ during your fat loss phase can actually impact you not only during your diet, but also how this could potentially affect your life long term. And one of the reasons I say this is because studies have shown that restriction can actually lead to overconsumption. So a really simple example of this is what we often see when people say to themselves that they're going to cut out chocolate. And I've done this myself. I'm like, okay, I'm not going to, I don't need chocolate. I'm on a diet. Um, I'm going to cut that out. Now, what happens the minute we tell ourselves that we can't have something? What do we suddenly fixate on, right? We're fixating on that chocolate. We are suddenly thinking about everything that we cannot have. Now, we last a week or, you know, if we're lucky, maybe it's only a couple of days without eating any chocolate. And then in the space of an hour, we've suddenly gone and inhaled an entire Cadbury's family block of chocolate. Whereas if we had simply allowed ourselves a couple of squares each day um, or a couple of squares a few times a week and factored this particular food into our diet plan, then we'd probably still be making progress. So that is really important. Don't try to be more restrictive than what is necessary um, because if you are cutting everything out, you are likely going to end up in a position where you are then over-consuming on all of those things that you have told yourself you cannot have. Okay, so there are the four probably key areas that I most commonly see people go wrong when they're trying to lose body fat or lose body weight. So the first one, let's do a quick recap, is that we see people significantly decrease their food volume, okay, when they start that fat loss journey, which leads to them getting overly hungry. So working around this, we're wanting to make food choices that are in lower that are lower in calorie or less calorie dense foods to help us maintain um, a similar volume or a similar amount of food that we were eating before we started our diets. That's the first thing. The second thing we tend to see, um, calorie intake is often reduced far more than what is necessary. So make sure that you choose a rate of loss um, that is going to be appropriate and most importantly sustainable and you match your calorie deficit to that rate of loss. And I think on top of that, it's also important to understand that – you know, we're not, we're not guinea pigs in a science lab and everybody's rate of loss is going to be very different. So it is finding something that works for you. And the big thing here is that sustainable changes will lead to long-term results. The third point is not having a plan as to when and how you will end your fat loss phase. So do not get to the end of your diet phase and revert back to the things that you were doing before you started your fat loss journey. It's going to undo your hard work very quickly. So just as you have a plan for when and how you are going to implement your diet and how long it's going to run for, make sure you also have a plan as to what you are going to do when you either reach your goal or when you get to the end of your fat loss phase. And then lastly, where possible, really important to avoid being more restrictive with your food than what is necessary. So don't eliminate everything. Um, 
you might moderate what you need to, but including a few small uh, treats or foods that you really do enjoy here and there is going to be far better for your long-term progress, factoring those foods in, than cutting them out completely. So there you have it, guys. I hope you found that episode helpful. I'm going to do a follow-up episode on this next week. So I'll get that topic out to you shortly also. But in the meantime, if you were able to take some helpful tips from this, I would love if you can take a screenshot of the episode. You can pop it up on your story. Tag me at Gemily underscore XFizz. And you can also hashtag the movement link. Now, if you have any questions, you can reach me via DM on Instagram. You can drop me an email to the movement link at gmail.com. But otherwise, as always, put your earbuds in keep moving and I'll be back with another episode soon. Bye.